enough that we just have all collected together information and ideas. Now we've come to the place of, do we say the amen to that? We read the Bible and we find out the Bible calls us to be God's people. Do, do these convictions resonate in our hearts? Do we really believe that? Is that what we want to live for? See, Jesus said, it's, you know these things? Great. You are blessed if you do them. The blessing in the truths of God is not just in that they're in our heads, but that they're written on our hearts. And today is a day for us to, to sort of codify in our own hearts that these values are what we stand for as the people of God. There's no greater calling on your life than to be the people of God. And in this time of our rebuilding, we felt a little bit like the Lord in the way in which he's put New Orleans, pressed the pause button on the city. He's pressed the pause button on us in some ways during this season. And it's given us a chance to reexamine who we are. And I hope everybody's going through that right now. I hope we're all thinking through carefully. Who are we as a church? Who do we want to be? What are the things that really are important to us and the values that we hold. Well, I think what's represented today uh, in the church covenant are the values that God's called us to hold on to and to hold in our hearts dearly and to live passionately for. And so today I'm going to share with you in just a few minutes of how we're going to go about uh, signing the church covenant today. But let me back up for a moment and just share a little bit of a devotional moment here about covenanting. And lessons that can be learned as we observe in Scripture when people would make covenant. Now, that term covenant kind of, we don't use it much today, so it kind of has mystery and some, I mean, maybe even some weirdness to it. It's a very common word in Scripture. People made covenants. Individuals would make a covenant between each other. There are covenants that exist between tribes that they would come together and they would make an agreement as to how they were going to live and they would make pledges and vows. So that there was a a rightful expectation between them in terms of how they would live their lives toward each other. Nations made covenants. God made covenants throughout Scripture with man. Not just the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. There are several other places where covenants between God and men exist as well. So covenants are a very common practice in Scripture. In our day, we, we practice forms of this. Probably the most noticeable form would be a wedding covenant. Would be when we come together for a wedding and you know, I would want to sprinkle a little bit of the wedding atmosphere in here today. If this was a wedding today, there would have been much planning. There would have been a group of people who actually were not just planning, but they were obsessing over this event. They would have studied it from every angle. They would have thought of all the nuances. Today would have been a much anticipated day. People would be dressed differently. Witnesses would be gathered. There would be a pomp and circumstance, you know, that, that element of coming together with special elements present. Folks would walk a center aisle. Witnesses would be called and gathered. And then at a, at a moment during this ceremony, there would be vows and pledges made. And two individuals would state their intentions out of the convictions of their life and they would make a commitment to each other. And we would all applaud at the end and throw rice. And you're welcome to do that today as well, if you'd like. But today what we do is, is certainly no less important. Because as we look in the Bible, we find importance given to a husband and a wife, 
coming together to form a family and to live out those convictions as a demonstration of the glory of God. We find throughout Scripture, though, the people of God coming together and joining together in like-mindedness and with intentions and commitments to live for the glory of God. And so I, I want to I draw some attention here just for a moment. And if you'll open your Bible with me to Exodus, I want to just make some observations here. And, and the challenge here in making these observations, and I'm going to read some Scripture and just share some thoughts as well, is that, I don't know if you've ever realized this, the amount of Scripture that is dedicated to covenant elements that, are, that circulate around the covenant made at Mount Sinai, what we call the Old Covenant. And the amount of detail that's given about that covenant, where God gathers His people. Remember, Exodus opens the, the first 18 chapters tell the story of God rescuing his people out of the house of bondage and bringing them to himself and forming a covenant with them. And we get to Exodus chapter 19. We'll just hit a couple of highlights here. You, you find this heart of God. Here's what God's been doing when he was going into Egypt and conquering their idols, and bringing plagues and displaying his great power. Exodus chapter 19 Verse 2 says, Israel has encamped before the mountain. They're at Sinai now. Verse 3, while Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So this is probably, no, not probably, it is the most key ingredient to, to why we are a people. We are a people because we have all been brought to God. If you're in Christ, if you're saved today, the most important facet of your life isn't any other person. It's God himself. So what gives us a relationship with each other, the illustration of the body of Christ has one head. It's Christ. And we all have our nerve endings traveling back to that head. That's why we relate to each other the way we do, because the head determines our relationship with each other. So God brings his people to himself, verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now, what follows after this moment of introduction where God says, Moses, here's why I brought you together, is an enormous amount of clarity on what does it mean to be in covenant with me. If you've ever wondered about the layout, sometimes we get confused about the layout of the Pentateuch and the first five books of the Old Testament. But Exodus brings us out of Egypt and sets us at Mount Sinai. And the rest of the book is going to be at the foot of Mount Sinai. The book of Leviticus is going to be at the foot of Mount Sinai. A huge amount of numbers is going to be dedicated to the same issues at Mount Sinai. And then Deuteronomy is going to rehearse Mount Sinai again. So if you've ever wondered, I remember the first time I read the Old Testament and I, you know, I got past Exodus and then I'm reading later on and it sounds like it's saying the same thing and I'm thinking, didn't I just read this? Did I open up to the wrong section today? And then a little bit later I'm reading it again and then you get to Deuteronomy and it's all being said again and you're going, I thought I read this already. 
Well, it must be that God really wanted to make some things clear. We realize all that information, that rehearsing over and over again, it's topics like, here's how you live amongst each other. Here's how you handle sin. If this person sins in this way, then the response is for this to happen. If they happen this way, then all of you will respond that way to that person. It's directions in worship. The revelation of the tabernacle was given. The role of the priest. What sacrifices are supposed to accomplish and what they communicate. All these things, all this detail, everything from what to wear and how you're to wear it. How you're to come together, the festivals that you gather together as a corporate gathering throughout the year. What those things mean. There's a huge amount of information here that's all part of this covenant. The Ten Commandments gets to be the feature thing. It's the first thing mentioned. But there's much more information here than just the Ten Commandments. But the people of God are called into a covenant. And God obviously wants to be very, very clear on what's going on here. Because he devotes a huge amount of scripture to being clear. Now, now can I just draw this reference point for us? We, we took nine weeks to teach through the church covenant. A couple of more weeks to bring some summary thoughts to it. That doesn't even begin to come close to the amount of information God puts in Scripture about being in covenant with Him. But many people, and perhaps you've been in churches throughout your life, uh, many people will be in a church for years and never really pay a whole lot of attention on what does it mean to be the church. To be in a covenant with God and, as a result of that, with one another. These are important elements in life. God gives much attention to it. We're right to give much attention to this subject today. Now, what ends up happening here in Exodus 19, eventually we have the Ten Commandments. Remember, uh, the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. I'm going to highlight just the second one. You are to have no graven images. This is in God gives all the commandments. And if we keep on going, we get to chapter 24. Turn to Exodus 24, verse 6. And there's been some lengthy explanation here, quite a bit about how society is to function and the different festivals and the promises God is making. And there's a little bit of an interruption here. We get some more detail in chapter 25 onward about this, the, the tabernacle and the settings of worship are going to come in just a moment. Verse 6 of Exodus 24, and Moses took half the blood. He is, he's sacrificed an animal. He's taken the blood now because this is a, a blood covenant. He took half the blood, put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. Today, uh, as we go about signing today, we're going to read in the hearing of the people what it is that we are Uh, intending to be about as a people together. And they said, this is what the people said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And what you see here is... Is God takes all this time and attention and he calls for a response from the people. All right, please listen. It's not enough for you and I to sit through week after week of, of, of teaching. Sometimes we have people come forward for prayer. Sometimes we, we ask for responses because there are moments in walking with God that you must respond to him. 
And sometimes you must respond in a significant way. Listen, you know, I, I know some people get irritated by doing things in certain ways, and, and we do things as best we understand how to do them. But, you know, we, we could today, in any moment, we could, we could call for ministry and, and don't anybody close your eyes, don't anybody stand, don't raise your hand and don't come forward. We could do that. God can meet you right where you are. And there's sometimes that we do that. There's sometimes we say, go home and deal with this. Get with God. But there are other times when a response needs to be more significant. It needs to be me humbling myself. I need to get up from the back row in front of everybody, walk forward, make a big deal out of this in my own heart and stand before God and say, God, this is a big deal to me. I want you to know that. And I need to know that. And so there are moments sometimes when a response is necessary and called for. And God has these folks respond. Now, here's what's very sobering. Because the elements that are here is we've just observed covenant making as it's depicted in Exodus. God is very clear and there's a huge amount of detail. And the people respond and they say, yes, we will. And right after they say, yes, we will, God goes, uh, Moses goes back up on the mountain with God. God doesn't speak to Moses for six days. The seventh day, God speaks to Moses. But Moses was not going to return from that mountain for 40 days. Everybody remember what happened in those 40 days? From the moment in which the people said, yes, we will do all that you have said. Remember the second commandment? Don't make any graven images. Yes, God, we got that. It's number two. I mean, we probably forgot five, six, and on. But first few, we remember those. Yes, we will do all that you have commanded. Forty days later, they're making a golden calf at the foot of Mount Sinai. That's rather sobering, isn't it? Didn't take long for their commitment to mean nothing. And for them to com- just forget what it was that we had promised and pledged and committed. Now this should sober us. Because we're not unlike them. We sing that song. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And there's a line in it that when I sing it, I weep every time I sing it. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. My heart is no different than their heart. And I can stand and say yes, and 40 days later, I can be in a different place as well, with no intention on honoring what has been said. And I want to draw our attention to the the solemnness of a covenant. Because God comes back to this over and over and over and over again. If you continue to read, you're going to find that God keeps reminding them and He keeps cautioning them and He keeps drawing their attention to them because this is not to be taken lightly. And they apparently took it very much too lightly when they said, sure, We'll do everything. And this is, you know, why do you, why are you guys taking so long on this? This is not to be taken 
lightly. We have studied in detail. You have met us covenant groups. You've had discussion. You've gone back and forth over issues, agree and disagree, weighed. We've given the, the document out. We've asked you to look and consider. You've had time as families to review and consider what it is that you're signing today. Because this is a, a solemn issue before God. And it should be that for us. Now, can I, I tell you from personal experience... Church membership for most folks, folks, is not a solemn issue. It's a very casual, um, without intentions issue. I remember a number of years ago, there was a particular person who really made a big deal about wanting to become a member. And uh, you remember before we drafted a little more thorough details, we had a little blue card. You became a member, you had to sign a little blue card. The little blue card was, was a very reduced version of this. And this person really wanted to be a member, and so we talked with them, and they talked about their commitment and wanted to be a part of the church, and they signed the blue card. Now, we do an annual members meeting in March. This person signed the card in February. March comes around, and they don't even show up for the meeting. You know, one meeting in the year that's dedicated to everybody who signed the blue card, you need to come. We talk about the vision of the church. We talk about where we are, issues that we're concerned about, where we're moving to next. doesn't come to that. Two months later, they're gone from the church. Just gone. No reason. There was no blow up. There was no... It's just gone. See, what, what was that about? Consider carefully, what are we committing ourselves to when we sign, when we say, this is what we stand for. Well, what we do commit ourselves to is if there's conflicts, if there's issues, if there's challenges, we're going to walk through them biblically. Not going to take the convenient back door. All of a sudden, I'm just gone. Nobody knows I'm gone. I'm just gone. Well, if there are issues that need to be worked through, be committed to working through them. So that God may be glorified in the house of God, which is the pillar and support of the truth, which is the salt and light of the earth. It's a very important thing that we do today. Now, walk with me through a few scriptures. You know, I'm just going to set the solemnness before us, and then we're going to give some direction on signing. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. God continues to bring up our intentions in being in covenant with Him. Deuteronomy 5, verse 1 says, And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. He's rehearsing what was received at Mount Sinai. He's rehearsing the covenant again with them before they go into the promised land. Some 40 years now has passed since it's been given. And they're going into the promised land and he's rehearsing it again with them. And let me, let me find some encouragement for all of us here who maybe you're new in the faith and you're saying, you know, I don't fully understand everything that's here. Well, they didn't either. There was room for learning. There's room for all of us to learn more. But we need to be committed to learning more. You shall learn them and be careful to do them. You shall learn them. If you're here today and you say, you know, I don't know all that the Bible says. Get about knowing what it says. Do not have a mentality that says, well, I've got like a first grade level of Bible understanding. And I'm just planning on functioning in my Christian life with a first grade. You know, I'm hoping I come to church, get adjusted every once in a while. No. 
get about learning the detail of what God has chosen to reveal to us. And then be careful to do it. Be intentional. Really, that's what today is about. It's about us saying, I do plan on being intentional about this. There's anything else that we're saying here. We don't plan on being perfect. There's not a person here who will sign today who will not violate what they sign today. The same way you've done with your marriage. But we do stand and declare our intentions. And we have a reference point that in our hearts we made the intention that we would live for the glory of God in this setting. Deuteronomy 29 Verse 14 says, it is not with you alone that I am making this sworn covenant, but with whoever is standing here with us today before the Lord, our God, and with whoever is not here with us today. You know how we lived in the land of Egypt and how we came through the midst of the nations through which you passed. And you have seen their detestable things, their idols of wood and of stone and silver and gold, which were among them. Beware. Lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. One who, when he hears the words of this this sworn covenant, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, Blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. The warning for these guys was, be careful that though a covenant exists, and you consider yourself to be part of it, if in your own heart you are stubborn and resisting God, you are fooling yourself. You are not safe, even though you are scattered amongst the people of God. The heart needs to be considered and examined. Deuteronomy 30, verse 8. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all His commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous. These are good, helpful words. In all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your ground... For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your fathers. When you obey the voice of the Lord your God, please do not create a prosperity message that doesn't have the voice of God and obedience to him as a vital part of it. To keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law. When you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. This, this will mess with some people's Old Testament theology. This commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, is in your mouth, and in your heart, so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord 
your God by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. This is a wedding ceremony. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Now, can I, I say in a, a similar way? In our lives, God gives advice and wisdom and counsel. He gives ways of doing things, ways to relate, ways to deal with our attitudes in our hearts, ways to deal with our sin. All these ways, these principles are God's means of producing prosperity in our lives. Prosperity doesn't come by pixie dust. It comes by principle. You find people who are prospering, you'll find they live by certain principles. They live their life in agreement with certain principles. Well, God invites us, and really, what you hold in your hands today, the statement of beliefs and commitments, simply reflect the values that God has given to his people. That if you and I will live by these values, then we will live in the prosperity of God. We will live in the blessing of God. And in all the ways, I don't have time to go through the whole document, but you start thinking through. If you get the doctrine of salvation wrong, you cannot live in the prosperity of God because you'll run around unsaved thinking you're saved. You get the doctrine of fellowship wrong and you extract people from your life or you don't deal appropriately with sin and relationship conflicts in your life, you will not live in prosperity. You're going to run from people. You're going to hide. You're going to have conflicts and unforgiveness in your heart. See, these things are given to bless us. So really what we stand today and we sign today, we declare, God, uh, we recognize if we walk in these things, you will bless. Your prosperity will be on our lives. Now, you know, as we read this, conclude with this thought. There's solemnness here because there's failure set before us. We know the nation of Israel. We know their history. Forty days and they're building idols. Even after Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they're going to go into the promised land and they're going to be wayward in their hearts on a regular basis. That's not very encouraging, is it? (laughs) But the good thing is, the Bible speaks of another day that's coming. The day of the new covenant that comes. And in that day, God says, I'm going to take out of you the heart of stone. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And I'm going to write my laws on your hearts. I'm going to mysteriously put in you a desire, a motivation. Ezekiel said, I will write my laws upon your heart and you will be careful to do them. Why? Because the Lord is going to do something on the inside of man. Now, what makes us different than the guys gathered around Mount Sinai is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What they had written on stone, you and I have written on hearts. And if the old covenant had language in it that said, hey, this isn't too hard for you to do. Where are we today? 
who actually have the indwelling presence of the lawgiver himself in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. So one thing we should be very encouraged about and very clear about today is we don't attempt to do this as though we are capable of doing it. We step in to do this because God has given us his spirit so that we can do this. Don't ever believe the lie that you cannot obey God. I didn't say it'd be easy to obey God. I didn't say your flesh would not rally all the support and do a full-blown campaign ad against obedience to God. Spend much money and time on convincing you that obedience would be the worst thing you could do and you really can't do it anyway. But the truth from Scripture is there will never be a day that a person empowered and indwelt by the Holy Spirit cannot obey God. So all that we do in signing today, we actually can do. And so even though we leave room, as we'll read, we start this, we leave room for failure. Failure is to be followed by repentance and success. And that's great news. Now let me ask the band if they would begin to come back up here. You know, it's interesting... I'm going to close with this New Testament revelation. You remember when Exodus, God says, I've called you here, I've brought you out of the house of bondage, and I've brought you to myself. All the earth is mine, but you shall be to me a special people, a holy nation. Do you remember him saying all that? Do you remember what Peter says to the new covenant people in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9? He stands before a group like this, the new covenant people. And he reaches back and he grabs the language of God at the foot of Mount Sinai and he pulls it into this setting. And I'm saying this on purpose because some of us have some really bad theology that have made the New Testament to hate the Old Testament. And anything from the Old Testament should be opposed. And That's a misunderstanding of the law and its purpose. It was the misuse of the law that the New Testament corrects. Not the law. Not the covenant. That covenant was a revelation about God and about his holiness and his character. We better take note. So at the foot of Mount Sinai, where God declares his intentions, Peter gathers the believers and he says this to them. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He is quoting Exodus and Deuteronomy. A people for God's own possession. Why? So that you might show forth the excellencies and praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now today what we're doing is we're responding to that call. God, you have called me out of darkness. You have called me from being lost. You've called me out of the house of Egypt, out of the, out of the, the house of slavery to sin to be your own people. You've called me to live my life amongst your people in a way that declares the glory of God, declares your wisdom. You've called me to engage life on a daily basis and make decisions that in this moment declares the glory of God and in this moment declares the glory of God and in this relationship declares the glory of God. That's what you've called me to do. But today in signing, what we simply say is, I do. I do intend that that's what my life is standing for. The declaring of the glory of God in the ways in which you have made clear from Scripture for me to do that. So what we want to do today in our...
church covenant, a little bit of our signing ceremony here. So I want to invite all who put some parameters on, on signing today. This, this is not about something to be signed by only those who are members and have been through the membership process. Because there are still some who would like to go through that process, but who are part of this church. Right? We have never had a, a mentality that says, until you've completed the membership process, you're not really a part of us. No, that's not true. Many of you would know that from being here. But this is a statement that's being made for those who consider this to be their church. Now, I'll say this to those who are visiting with us, or maybe you just kind of you here every once in a while, but you're really part of another church for some reason. You're just kind of here. Uh, I'd encourage you to do this. Please take this and examine it for your own life toward the church that you're a part of. And you, you consider for yourself signing this one. Take it with you. Pray about it with your family. Consider, are these the principles we want to live by? Regardless of what anybody else is going to do in their life, this is what we want to live by. I'm asking you to maybe take this and, and you consider signing it for the church that you're a part of and the way in which you intend to live your life toward the people of God. But one of the things that we're going to do today is we're going to form a line in just a moment and invite you to, to come up and to sign this rather large version of the church covenant. And the reason we're doing this is to, to preserve a, a bit of historic posterity, if you will, for the folks who are coming behind us. You know, I think at this point when we tore the building down and had a sense of starting over again, it was a reference point for us to realize there are people that have gone before us. We tore down a building that was built by people who love the gospel and who love the city and who made a statement in building something that we have had the, the blessing of, of using for 40 years plus. Who are those people? Well, apart from Bill Treby and a few folks that we've known, uh, we don't know many of them. And one of the things that we'd like to do is, is we'd like to, to put our names, the, the folks who were sovereignly by God's design, a part of this church when it rebuilt. We want to sign a document that represents, here's what the people who built this building believed. Here's what their intentions were. Here's what guided their life. Here's the way in which they sought to live towards one another and how they sought for the glory of God to be revealed through this building that got built. Now, what I hope this will do, and we're actually going to have this frame, we're going to put it in the building. What I hope this will do, I hope it will serve the pastor who stands in this pulpit 30 years from now. Can you imagine what the church will be like in 30 years? What the world will be like in 30 years? What values that man will be fighting for in 30 years? That many have abandoned and looked down upon and decided they didn't really need to believe and think that way any longer. This person, this team of leaders will have a fight on their hands. We want to lend support to that team of men by saying, when you stand up before that church one day in the building that, hey pal, we paid for, okay? You make sure you're still representing these values. Otherwise, tear that thing down and give us our money back. <laughs> and we'll put that at the bottom down here somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, in the same way that we stand in the pulpit and we say, John Huss stood for this, and Martin Luther stood for this, and Charles Spurgeon stood for this, and John Wesley stood for this. Uh, those men 
they lend to us a sense of historic support to stand in front of a, a world and say, that's not the correct way to believe. This is. Well, who says you're right? A cloud of witnesses says we're right. Well, welcome to being a cloud of witnesses and lending to the future of this church. Here's what we believe. Here's the values that we built this church on. So here's what we'll do. Everybody has an individual copy. You're invited to sign that, put your date on it, and, and for you to keep that copy. Uh, what we'd like for all to do is to come. Again, those who are part of the church, if you're just kind of experimenting here and trying to figure out who we are, um, or you've not considered carefully the document, or you're in a position where your heart is stubborn and resisting God right now, you need to treat this with a sense of solemnity that you would treat taking communion. But for those who are part of the church, your heart and your intentions, you feel are honest with integrity before God. I'm going to invite you to do this in just a moment. For you to come up, we're going to form a line here in the middle. And just, you know, as, as the service moves along here, for you to come up, there's two things that you need to do. One is to print your name on the little list that's on a clipboard right here. And the other is to sign your name carefully on this large document. And there'll be somebody up here to help you find the place to, to do that. While we're doing that, we're going to have folks from the body coming up and reading aspects of the church covenant and the scriptures that make up the convictions that form this document. Uh, Eric and the team are going to lead us in song while we're doing that. So this is really a, it's a time of reflection. It's a time for you to ponder, consider, listen carefully, for your own heart to be able to say the amen to what's being written. And, and when you come up, really, you're putting your amen down for future generations to see what it is that we believed when the Lord led us to this place. So let me ask us to do this. I want to begin with the leaders. I'd like to ask the pastoral team if you guys would come assemble um, right here with your wives. And then behind them, if I could ask the covenant group leaders that are present today and their wives, if they would come and they would assemble as well. And this is, this is not a statement of privilege. Uh, this is a statement of responsibility. I ask the leaders to do this first because I believe biblical leadership is to be leading by example. If you're called to lead in the body of Christ, you are called to lead by example. We should not be asking any one of you to walk in something that we are not first passionate about walking in ourselves and seeking and wrestling and contending with our own flesh that we may be able to walk this out. So I'd like for these guys to sign first. But I'd like to read this amazing scripture before we begin the document. Ephesians chapter 2 and we, and we might be amazed by the grace of God I have to ask myself what am I doing being included in the people of God what has happened that me a selfish sinful human being has a clue to even know what direction to aim at to find God and then what direction to walk in with my life. This, see, this is a moment of the grace of God that we're included in being a member of the people of God. 
Ephesians 2 verse 11. Therefore, remember, remember, that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made with which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Is that an awesome thought? Or what? All right, let me read the opening paragraph, and then some other folks representing the church will come read different aspects of it, and Eric will be playing as we continue just to come. When the line starts to kind of dwindle up this way, please fill in behind it so that we can make efficient use of our time together. If you have your covenant with me, please read along with me. Church covenant statement of beliefs and commitments. With the understanding that God has called each of us to himself, on the basis of His grace, apart from any merit on our part, and that His grace and the ministry of the Holy Spirit are the means through which we are enabled to follow Christ and fulfill these desires, we set forth the following commitments as statements of our intentions. Trusting God to encourage us in these pursuits and to be merciful to us when we fall short. These beliefs and commitments do not represent a full statement of doctrinal beliefs, but are intended to draw our attention to the function and purpose of the church in God's plan. Furthermore, it is understood that this church covenant will be signed by a variety of believers, young, old, newly saved, mature in Christianity, leaders and pastors, who will walk out their commitment with varying levels of success. Yes, I'm sorry. We, we want to stay consistent with the... Uh, elements in our church constitution and just by way of actually um, necessary age and maturity to understand what's being accomplished in your own heart we wanted to ask only those who are 16 or above who are confident in their own salvation that they would be allowed to sign again you do not have to be having gone through the membership process to sign today only that your intention is to fulfill what you signed today and that you understand what you signed today and that you are a part of Lakeview, the family here.
Today, I am celebrating my commitment to the authority of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I agree that Scripture is the only infallible revelation from God, that, is, that it is sufficient for a life of godliness and is the final authority in matters of opinion or dispute. I, therefore, commit to pursue growth in my knowledge of Scripture and to form my beliefs, decisions, and life practice out of biblical doctrines and teachings and, to the best of my ability, to support my opinions and life choices from Scripture. celebrating my commitment to the doctrine of salvation. Ephesians 2, 1-10 through 10, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I agree that the scripture teaches that all of humanity is in sin and needing to be reconciled to God and that the only means of reconciliation is through the person and the work of Jesus Christ in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. I agree that an individual is saved by the grace of God apart from any personal good or meritorious work that grace is received through faith and that each individual must at some point repent and make a personal faith decision about the person and work of Christ. I agree that in conversion we are born again, forgiven, reconciled to God, and receive the life of the Holy Spirit. Since the scripture teaches that only those who are in Christ are part of his body, I therefore commit to only seek covenant membership after I have been born again and can testify of my conversion to Christ. Today I am celebrating my commitment to practice baptism and communion. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I agree that the scripture calls all believers to initially identify with Christ through water baptism and to continue to identify with Christ and his body through the celebration of communion. I therefore commit to practice these ordinances as they are described in scripture. I'm going to sing a song uh, together. I invite you guys to sing with us to stand if you want to do that. It's a song you guys know. Um, but just a song that uh, encapsulates all that we just committed to and all that we heard about. And a song called, Oh Great God. Particularly in the second verse, uh, the words say, I was blinded by my sin, had no ears to hear your voice, did not know your love within, had no taste for heaven's joys. Then your spirit gave me life, opened up your word to me, through the gospel of your son gave me endless hope and peace. So as we just as we think about our commitment to to salvation and to the authority of Scripture and to professing Christ as our Lord through baptism and through communion, I um, just thought that this this song would help us to uh, to to express our commitment to that. So sing this together. Oh, great God of highest death, occupy my lonely heart. Own it all and reign supreme. Conquer
great God. Oh, great God, highest heaven, glorify your name. Oh, great God. Oh, great God, highest heaven, glorify your name all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We agree that being a member of the body of Christ means that God has ordained us to function in the body and to serve the body. We therefore commit to seek to discover how God has called us to serve and to grow in faithfulness and effectiveness in fulfilling that call. We agree that God calls us to further his work of making disciples. We therefore commit to embrace the responsibility to share the gospel and to do what we can do to help others grow in their relationship with Christ. Today, my family and I are celebrating our commitment to biblical leadership in the church, Hebrews 13, 7, and 17. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with, with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. We agree that God calls men to shepherd the local church, giving them the responsibility and authority to exercise spiritual oversight of the functions and fellowship of the local church as they lead in humility and are themselves under authority. In so doing, they are to care for and protect the people whom God has called his own children. As ones given to follow, we therefore commit to submit to their leadership as they follow Christ to serve and offer support to them and biblical direction they give for this local body and to pray for them. We commit to avoid divisiveness and the tearing down of those in authority and to seek biblical remedy if we have a disagreement or conflict with someone in a position of leadership in the church. Let's sing again. Um... So your amazing grace.
Draw near to you with my heart full of faith. Yes, your grace is all undeserved. Though there are times I fail, still you are with me. You're amazing grace is perfectly free. Day by day, your grace empowering me to please you in all things, to walk in your way. It's all by your 
Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Believing that God identifies his people as special in his affections and purpose, I therefore agree with and commit to the following biblical principles. I agree that the Bible calls us to regularly gather together with other Christians for the purpose of fellowship, teaching, serving, prayer, mutual encouragement, and accountability. I therefore commit to cultivate a lifestyle that maintains this priority and to reasonably avoid life patterns that would cause fellowship to become neglected. That God calls those in the church to love one another, to forgive one another, and to maintain the unity of the Spirit, so that His love is visible and His mission is unhindered. I therefore commit to avoid opportunities to gossip or to slander others and to seek to resolve any conflicts I have with others according to the Scriptures and to encourage others to do likewise. I commit to living toward others in a manner characterized by humility, love, and service. I agree that God calls me to live a life of holiness, which includes avoiding the practice, the practice of sin, as well as life choices that contain the appearance of evil. I agree that sin is to be resisted and overcome and not pursued or tolerated in my life. I therefore commit to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, both privately and publicly, and to seek the use of spiritual disciplines to guide my heart from the temptation. Today, my family and I are celebrating our commitment to church discipline. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We agree that scripture teaches that, that a Christian who continues in a practice of sin without pursuing repentance and change is to be corrected and disciplined according to the passages listed. We therefore commit to supporting this process in the life of others and, if necessary, receiving this process in our own lives as prescribed by scripture and directed by the pastors of the church. Today I am celebrating my commitment to God's economy of prayer. God teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I agree that God desires his church to be a house of prayer, and that the prayers of the saints play a significant role in God's will coming to pass on earth as it is in heaven. I therefore commit to make personal and corporate prayer a priority in my life and to avoid its neglect or decline. Today, I am celebrating my commitment to God's economy of giving. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I agree that God calls me to support the mission of the church from the finances he has provided in my life. I therefore commit to, the fo- to follow the biblical pattern of giving, which includes giving on a regular basis as the Lord provides for me, and to be open to the Holy Spirit's leading for me to consider additional sacrificial giving. The last section of, of commitments, uh, very very functional, all the, all the things that we as a church are giving, our, our prayer, um, committed to, to discipline and fellowship. It's just all of our life. And so we're going to sing this song um, called Take My Life that, that says all that stuff. It talks through uh, all the different elements of our lives. And, and the chorus of that song says, Here I am, all of me. Take my life. It's all for thee. So let's sing this song to the Lord.
opportunity to celebrate and seal our commitment as we take communion. For those of you who have been asked by Uncle Pete to be serving communion, if you'd come on up. And as we're waiting to be served, we are going to be served. We will not come up. We're waiting to be served communion. Hopefully you can give me your attention as you're in line or sitting. For those of you who are still intending to sign, just get on up and get in the line and come on down. I want to read you this scripture from Revelation. It's found in Revelation chapter 19. It is a recording of what will be. Today, what we do in taking communion, we celebrate in a shadowy way, remembering the great work of the cross, but anticipating its great culmination in the heavens in this great banquet supper of the Lord. And the word says of those who were in heaven before the throne of God, the church, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride, that is the church, has made herself ready. We are making ourselves ready for that banquet. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then He said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. 
the marriage supper of the Lamb. What we do today in receiving this communion, in celebrating, is remembering God's awe-filled commitment. Not awful, awe-filled commitment of His holiness, of His majesty, of His power, of His integrity, of His sovereignty, of His truth. To be absolutely and completely, intimately involved with and relation to a people whom He loves. And ours is to receive that with open arms, changed hearts, in great joy. As we have been sitting this morning... Remembering what we have been reading, let us remember this word in Revelation twenty one twenty seven. And the word talks about in the throne of God, nothing unclean shall be there, and no one who practices abomination or lying shall ever come into that throne room of God. But listen to those who come. And listen carefully, especially if you had difficulty in writing down your name this morning. Listen. These are the ones who come into the throne of God. But only those whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. God Himself has committed in the writing through the blood of the everlasting covenant in a book.